You wanted to see me, Miss Swinton? Have you been hearing about the new government modernization efforts? AI, RPAs, data science. Things are changing at this agency, and people will need new skills. Oh. I'd like you to get some training. Huh. Look at this management concepts catalog. Wow, over 275 courses. That's right, in local classrooms or instructor-led online classes. We still have budget in this fiscal year, so sign up online. Advance your career with courses from Management Concepts. Get a catalog at managementconcepts.com or call 833-578-8466. Leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning. Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello everybody and welcome back. Thank you very much for joining me. It's my favourite time of the week again. As now is the time I get together with you guys and I share the experiences that come into BBR investigations. Before we continue tonight, I wanted to share a quick bit of information about our Saturday premieres on YouTube. If you enjoy the channel and the content that we bring and you have any questions or would like to speak to a member of the team, you can chat with them or ask them or even chat with like-minded folk, when our videos air every Saturday, and we air at 8pm GNT. I will be in the chat box provided alongside the video, and you can also chat with me and many of the BBR and WIP team members. We have folk that tune in every week from all across the globe, and it's a place where many folk share their own experiences. We're trying to build a community where it's okay to talk about the so-called alternative subjects. Tonight we cross the water to one of the most beautiful places in the world. It also has a history of some terrifying creatures. So as the sun sets, let's settle back and relax and let me take you on a journey that involves such beings as the Fetch, the Gruagach, the Gelt and the Banshee. Tonight we look at some reports from the Emerald Isles and I'll share a number of cases where the creatures seen are described as Bigfoot-like, or the wild man of air. Sometimes they are called a gruagash, or gelts, and we also look at some cases that involve werewolf-like creatures. Um, the Aaron word for wolf is mikte, meaning literally son of the country. The historical references to these creatures are many and stretch far back in time. The werewolves of Osara are one legend that was recorded in medieval Aaron. English and Norse sources. I also have a number of reports of little folk, the fae as I would call them. They're also called the brag or the tanker bogus, the shape-shifting beings that can bring harm or good luck depending on their agenda and our interactions with them. The names change with the region and of course throughout time. Like the Woodwoose of England who is now called the British Bigfoot. In recent podcasts, you've heard me explain an account from the north of the island where a tall, dark, hairy creature was followed down from the Sperry mountain range, closely followed by men in camo, who seemed to be stalking the figure. Our witness waited in the car park to see if he would see the strange figure again, but it didn't appear. This account happened in December of 2017 on the slopes of Mullig Bay, the man who made the report said, I saw something I'm struggling to explain. Whatever, whoever it was, was very tall and large and they were moving behind me about a kilometre away and they were moving very fast. It was walking, heading down the hill towards me on a route that I'd just taken. I'm not easily spooked, but I didn't hang about as I'm of the opinion that if it wanted to, it could have caught up with me quite easily. 
Our next report takes us to an old castle and a tale told by a visitor there, the Dunluce Vanishing Ape Man. And back in the 1930s, a strange and sinister story surfaced of a diabolical beast rumoured to haunt an old castle. Late one particular night in the latter part of the 19th century, a certain Mrs A was sitting alone in one of the castle's bedrooms, awaiting the return of her husband. Suddenly, there was a distinct and unmistakable sound of one of the doors banging in the corridor outside the room. More disturbingly, footsteps could be heard too. Someone or something was creeping around the old castle. Grabbing a lit candle, Mrs A carefully and slowly opened the door and to her eternal horror saw a darkened, shadowy form heading straight for the staircase. Evidently, the entity realised its presence had been noticed and it turned to face the by now fear-stricken Mrs A. The thing was apparition-like in nature and it possessed the head of a man but the body of a mighty hair-covered ape. For a moment, it glared malevolently at Mrs A before vanishing before her eyes. Now, the story's not over, however. Several nights later, the woman's husband also saw the animal man. After his attention was drawn to the shadows on the landing, from where distinctly unsettling and creepy laughter was being heard. On looking up, Mr A was confronted by a beast that he said, just as his wife had said, had the body of a large and hairy ape and the head of a man. And a most ugly man at that. Mr A evidently got a better look at the creature than did Mrs A. And he could see that the hair of the monster appeared to be of a reddish brown colour. Now in what sounds like some sort of bizarre nightmare. As the man headed up the stairs to confront the man-like thing. The terrible laughter got louder and louder. And echoed through the halls of the castle. Not surprisingly, at the last moment, the man thought better of his actions and he raced for the safety of his bedroom. For a few days, things were quiet and it was a situation that was not destined to remain for so long. While arranging flowers one afternoon in the dining room, Mrs A suddenly felt a pair of hands on her shoulders and thinking it was her daughter, she spun around, only to be confronted by the cackling creature, which was now looming over her at a height that easily exceeded six feet. Mrs A screamed for help, and as a friend came running, the strange and unearthly entity vanished into absolute nothingness, just as it had before. And for the family, by now, enough was well and truly enough. Now, a Norse work of the 13th century is a written text and it mentions the capture of a wild man in air who was seen and described as having a mane that ran down his back. And it also says in the text that this man and his kind lived in the woods. Their swiftness is said to be so great that other men cannot approach them and greyhounds couldn't even pursue them. For these people run along the trees almost as swiftly as monkeys or squirrels. Thereafter, we are told, the Gelt lived as a definitive outcast and was said to roam the land in search of three things, and three things only. Water to drink, watercress to dine upon, and ivy bushes on which to sleep. With that said, I'll leave you with a question to ponder. Is it possible that the half-man, half-beast seen in the castle, as described by Mr and Mrs A, was just a ghost of a long-dead gelt that come back from the grave to haunt the castle in the late 19th century, or an entity that can appear and disappear at will when it chooses to. Our next report is called A Tremendous Roar. I describe it, Deborah, like a cross between a lion and a bear. I felt compelled to contact you after reading your post regarding Neil Cote's account of his experience, as I feel it almost mirrors my own. I lived on the northeast coast, uh, close to Lisbon in Ireland. I would have been 17 then, and the friend I was with would have been 15. 
It was around September 1986 and myself and around 15 others had been messing around a spooky house that was situated on a golf course just outside of town. Now it was around 9.30 and we were heading back to the estate we lived on. Everybody else decided to walk the long way home by the road. But me and one other friend decided to walk along the towpath home. It saved us about 20 minutes. We had hardly made it 75 feet along the path when we heard a roar. And I describe it like a cross between a lion and a bear. Just like Neil said, he felt that that roar vibrated through him. I felt it vibrate through me also. We've never spoken, but both of us took one more step, about turned and double-timed it back to the group. We did talk about this when we were away from everyone else, but we were at a loss to explain it. The incident had a profound effect on me. Leftovers. Or... The DMV. Number 97. Or... House cleaning. Or... Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I grew up playing by the river and all of our teenage days and very late nights were spent there. However, following this experience, I would not be there unless there was a large group of us. At this time, I worked in an industrial estate across the river and I used to walk the towpath to get there, not after this. I actually walked to the other side of town and cut across rather than go that way in the early hours. It was a good few years before I would walk that path alone. He said, incidentally, a friend and his girlfriend had an experience at the same location a few years previously to mine. They reported to have seen large glowing red eyes up in the trees and then heard whatever it was jump to the ground and grow crashing through the undergrowth. That area is a large swamp. Sadly, I never asked him about it, as apparently he'd become really aggressive and hostile if people brought it up. He took his own life, sadly, several years later. He said, I've been reluctant about telling this due to the location and how close in proximity it is to a residential area. For reference, it occurred on the Largan towpath beside the old Warren estate in Lisbon, County Antrim. I'm also wary as there are a lot of doubters out there who'd love nothing more than to rip people who think long and hard before writing to pieces. I understand exactly how he feels. I remember doing the same thing. We used to, to walk to school, we could cut off um, quite a bit of the walk because the elevation between the bottom of the street and the top of the street was about 600 metres, something like that. It's quite far. So we did was a shortcut and we'd take that and you'd be able to get to school much quicker. And obviously after I saw him, I still had to go to school. So I never took the shortcut again. And I was a right lazy kid and believe me, I'd have done anything not to walk up that big long drive. <laughs> but that's what I did because I just didn't want to bump into it again. I didn't want to put myself in a place where I could see it again. And I think he felt the same. Just a short walk south, there's another report made by a man 
he saw something he couldn't really describe. The man reported what he saw back in 98, and it was in the middle of the night, and he was returning home and driving along the Black School Road, heading towards the Farniford Bridge, which meets the Lurgan Road. The man who made the report said, this creature was just standing on the road. It must have been at least seven feet tall, and it had black or brown hair, and it completely blocked the road. It was so big. The thing immediately started my flight or fight instinct, he said, and I braked hard, sliding the car to a stop. I could see it clearly, and the headlights really exposed its red eyes. Now, a couple saw what they described as a Bigfoot-like creature in 1998, so similar year to this guy in the Lurgan Road, in Ballybola. The two people saw an ape-like creature in a small wooded area and they made a report of the incident to Cryptozoology News. Caroline Breen, a 63-year-old woman who works as a pet sitter in Glenwere, said she and her husband were walking some of the local dogs in Ballybola when the creature was seen by the couple. Mrs Green stated, We were in Ballyboli Forest and we were walking the dogs as we always do. And as we approached a small patch of dead trees, we caught sight of something crouched behind the bushes. We thought at first it was a human hiding there, trying to stay hidden and unseen. But as it raised its head in the air, we saw it clearly, and it wasn't human, and the dogs also got agitated. Mrs Breen says her husband walked towards the creature, and that it began growling at him. And I told him to step back, but he ignored me, she said. He thought it was a chimpanzee or something. And he got closer to it. And when he was within 15 feet or so, it reared up on its legs. And it was very tall. And it was carrying a big stick. The creature then smashed the stick against a tree a number of times. And it took off at a high speed. Mrs Breen said the ordeal lasted about four minutes. It ran so fast through those trees like it had done so a thousand times before. The creature was described as having a chimpanzee-like face, but with a broader nose, and it was covered in dark brown black fur. Mrs Breen recalls the animal being around eight feet tall when it stood up on its legs. I don't know if this was a Bigfoot, but my husband didn't think we got those type of things in Ireland, she said. And Mrs Breen, who'd previously been laughed at and had laughed at other stories from people in the woods, was told by a mother in the past that there was a weird ape roaming in those woods. And Mrs. Bream said, I believe her now because I've seen it. Now, Ballyboli has a strange brooding feel to it. Many reports of ghosts and spirits have been made there over the years. In fact, in 1997, just the year before our other two reports, two men out walking in Ballyboli say they experienced a terrifying event. The two men say they were in the forest when they heard a loud flapping sound and it was a noise they did not recognise. They thought nothing of it at first, but as they continued walking, they started to hear other strange sounds like a lady moaning in pain. And to their horror, they came to a place where the trees were smeared thickly with blood. The blood dripped from the trunk and the branches. Now, as they fled in terror... One man looked back behind him and saw four human-shaped figures in the forest. The figures were standing motionless, not pursuing the men, but observing them closely, where previously there'd been no one there. In 2005, in Ballybola, another witness made this report about the forest. She said, in 2005, when I was 13, and in my third year of secondary school, I took part in an outdoor team building scheme called the Duke of Edinburgh Award. For anyone outside of the British Isles, it's when you go on an expedition, hill walking, mountaineering, orienteering, in groups of about six, and you go for two or three days. It's normally organised by school or the church, and it also involves some charity work and some building, skill building and confidence building exercises. When you're 13, you're eligible for the bronze level. And in my area, that involved a reasonable, straightforward walk 
with the excited but daunting prospect of camping for one night in the middle of Ballyboli Forest. Now, I wasn't the fittest of kids, but it was with a group of friends and it turned out to be good fun. The first few days involved nothing more exciting than navigating the fields and the hills, and it went without incident. But on the last night, we ended up camping right in the middle of Ballyboli Forest with all of the other groups. And it was at the very foot of the fire break, which is a long, thin stretch of ground with no trees, which means you can see for quite some distance with nothing hindering your vision. Now, there were no teachers or leaders at this campsite, so naturally all hell broke loose. And it was about 8.15pm. And as the light was beginning to dim, someone in another group began to ramble on about seeing people at the other end of the fire break moving about between the trees. In case it was another group who'd gotten lost, a few of us marched up the fire break to check it out. And it was about a five minute walk and there was nothing there, just trees and shrubbery, not a road or a natural footpath in sight, it's no lights out there. It wasn't taken very seriously until about an hour later. We were all gathered around a gas stove having hot chocolate when someone else noticed some kind of movement down at the fire end of the fire break. And this time, the figures that had been previously sighted were holding some kind of torch. But this is where it got a bit stranger. Rather than modern torches and mag lights, the figures seemed to be holding what were either branches that had been set on fire or some kind of oil lantern that you held out in front of you. We counted four of these figures. Someone later that night who lived on a farm and would therefore probably know about this said that after the figures vanished, they could hear the sounds like an abattoir in the distance, the cries and squeals of animals. Needless to say, after the figures vanished, our young imaginations ran wild and we began to presume the worst was about to happen. In a small and very religious country, you are brought up hearing stories of the witchcraft and devil worship that supposedly takes place in secluded forests. And it took a lot of discussion and freaking out before we decided that someone should ring the nearest teacher with our group's emergency mobile phone. But eventually, more rational voices began to pipe up and assure us that the more frantic campers, that it was probably just another one of the groups in the forest and we decided the best course of action was for everyone to go to their tents. We just kept our torches handy and stuck together. The next morning, save for a few rumours of figures and lights being seen running around the tents, we left it off and we carried on with the expedition. Eventually, it was rarely spoken about and it became one of those stories that as you get older, you find yourself struggling to remember. Was it a real or was it a dream? Many of the cases I work on or that come into BBR are cases that happened many years ago. Experiences that people carry with them for years, sometimes even decades, are filed away under the impossible to explain section of our consciousness. Or like me, pushed down and hidden and locked up as tight as usually possible for as long as I could. Yet we still remember each detail as clearly. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As if it happened only yesterday. Some reports come in within days of the event and on a rare occasion on the very day of the experience. In 2017, I received a report from County Armagh where the witness said, I'd like to report an experience that happened to me just last month. I was unsure about coming forward and sharing this. And to be honest, I still am. I was in an area called Brachar, which borders a road and is near uh, a human habitation in County Armagh. I was out that day as I liked to walk and I was exploring an old stomping ground of many years ago from my youth. 
Back then, the area was different, as this area is now a nature reserve, and it's used by dog walkers on a kind of loop walk trail. You can leave the paths and trails if you want, but I don't think anybody does. There are seven peat rompers, and I walked three or four of them at least that day, so I'd been out for quite some time when it happened. As I walked the loop that was the farthest from the road, I came close to the edge of an adjoining field, and when I passed a certain spot, I heard an unusual cry of an animal. It wasn't something I could identify, but it sounded in distress. I walked very quietly, by the way, so I don't think I made any noises approaching that area, so I don't think I spooked anything. I stood and watched and listened. I couldn't see where this sound was coming from or find its source. I could pinpoint the area, but not the source of the noise itself. I kept looking around, trying to see what it was but I couldn't identify anything. And as I walked on my way, I was still looking. I did notice a lot of trees and they'd been drilled and a PVC capsule had been inserted into them. I mean, this, I presume, was to kill the trees and the roots. Why, I don't know. I dug one out with a knife to examine it. There were capsules in it and there was lots of them in the trees around me as I passed by. There were trees with capsules everywhere. Anyway, I walked up a long straight part of the walk and without warning, instinct told me I was being watched. I wasn't scared, I was still at ease, but I knew something was watching me as I'd walked by. I turned around quickly and I saw a large black figure just standing there, watching me. It was back where I'd stopped at that junction on the path to listen to the animal in distress. I looked and the figure just stood still and he was clearly watching me. This wasn't a dog walker or a hiker or anything like that. My car was the only one in the car park when I left. No one followed me that I know of. This figure didn't wear clothes. It was jet black and it was around six to seven feet tall. It didn't do anything. It just stood there watching me up the trail. I looked at him and he looked at me. And we just looked back at each other. As nothing happened and I wasn't close to him, I decided to just put some more distance between me and the figure in the trees. And as I moved off, I went off track exploring. As I broke through vegetation and areas not walked before, I saw some flat areas with something large. It looked like a bedded down or been sitting there. And strangely, I wasn't afraid. I was more inquisitive, to be honest. I did keep checking behind me, but I saw nothing more. I've seen a few areas where large animals bed down, like the deer, up and around the mountains, but these were much larger than the deer beds I normally see. At this point, I should say there is no large animal that wanders there, for what I know, and I don't think there are any deer. I'm telling you this as it happened a few weeks ago. I'll try and post a few pics from here and along my walk on the route. The place is thick with ferns and brambles and peat bog. Now, whilst chatting with the witness, I asked him how he felt that day, uh, before and after seeing the figure. I wanted to know what his thoughts were up to the event. He said, You asked me how I felt that day, Deb. Well, I was walking alone, as I'd done for years, and I enjoy the quiet and the sounds of nature, so I was really happy. I mean, not to sound corny, but I was at one with nature and in a very content and happy state of mind. Happy to see my boyhood surroundings. Yet a happiness tinged with sadness also, to see the trees had been drilled with poison. At the same time as I felt concerned for the area and the current environment in which I was walking, seeing the trees damaged and knowing there were lots of changes that I could do nothing about, that was a bit sad. I was feeling lots of emotions, to be honest. After listening to the animal sound and seeing the PVC capsules, I moved on and that's when I felt I was being watched. I wasn't alarmed or frightened. It was more a state of wonder as I thought, why was I being watched and by what? Whatever he was, he was calm. He was just standing looking up at the long peat romper track. I just thought, if my time's up, it's up. I'd be no match for the figure. He was so big. It wasn't a human or a dog walker or anything like that. The figure stood out as large and broad and dark in colour. 
I hope this gives a bit of insight to my thoughts and my feeling on that day, Deb. Would it be wrong to say that two minds will walk in the nature reserve grounds that day? Two minds, worlds apart, with perhaps the same thoughts milling through them. A place enjoyed in youth for its beauty and its banter gets revisited in old age to find so many changes, some good, some bad. But change is all the same. Sadly, only one of them has the option of getting in the car and returning to the life he chose for himself. The other, who knows, he's at the mercy of man. How often do we hear the description, it was tall and all one colour, or it just stood there watching me. I hear it often as I take the reports from each witness. Sometimes all they see is a fleeting glimpse of a creature or a figure. A split second, a moment in time. Others are reserved for much longer periods. I would imagine that both are just as confusing to the person who witnesses them. I still struggle to explain what happened to me at Beulil. And no doubt, I always will. Our next witness was driving the road when he was confronted by a creature that he could not explain. And it happened in the Castle Welling area, which I think is County Down. Um... On the 1st of October 2016, a strange hairy figure was seen in Annesborough, County Down, on the A25 towards Castle Welling. A driver watched as a four-foot-high hairy figure darted across the road in front of his car and promptly disappeared behind a bush. The driver looked behind the bush as he drove past, but he wasn't able to see anything hiding there. Earlier, I mentioned the Ossery Werewolves, or the Wolfmen. Now, there are several stories regarding werewolves, and it's said that there were tribes of them living in the wild that ancient kings would call on to aid them in battle. Other tales claim the creatures were half wolf, half men, and that they wandered the forests, sometimes preying on cattle and sheep, and other times protecting the people. And an even older legend tells a tale of three werewolf women emerging yearly from a cave to slaughter sheep during a harvest feast and who were finally lured out of hiding with music and they were massacred. One night in the woods on the way from Ulster to Meath, a wolf approached a travelling priest and as he moves closer, the priest asks the wolf what kind of creature he is and the wolf explains to the priest that there's only one other creature like him and that's his wife. They were the native people of Ossera who'd been cursed by a saint named Natalis for an ancient sin. The curse compelled two Ossery people, a man and a woman, to be chosen at random to take the wolf farm and remain in that farm every seven years. After that period, two new people would take their place and the prior two would return to human farm. The wolf explained that his wife was very sick and she was dying. And he was there to ask the priest's help in his wife's absolution. And terrified, the priest reluctantly followed the wolf home. But sensing the fear within the priest, and to assure him he wouldn't commit blasphemy, the male wolf slowly peeled the skin of his ailing companion from her head down to her belly with his claw. Seeing a weak old woman underneath the hanging wolf skin, the priest gave her the rights. Upon concluding this, the male wolf rolled the wolf skin back over her and the old woman returned to her wolf farm. The story tells of how one local chap who once had a dog he was very attached to, as was the dog to him. One day he was returning from a trip to Castlebar and he saw the dog running at the road to greet him and as he drew closer the dog seemed to disappear into the bushes and he wouldn't come out when he called him. Assuming the dog had just followed a rabbit, he continued on home. Upon reaching the house, he remarked to his wife how the dog would not come home when he'd called, and that he would have to go and find him. His wife put down a knitting and placed a hand on his shoulder and said, you have to be brave. And after a dramatic pause, she said, the dog is dead, it died. 
and he knew by the sorrowful look in her eyes that she was not joking. And after following his wife to the stables, he found the dog lying on the floor. The dog had passed away shortly after he'd left for Basel Bar earlier that evening. So which dog did he see on the lane? Another strange report is the Ballymachward Bear Man. And there's a report that happened at the local railway station. Two people walking home after leaving the station. It had a groaning noise coming from over the wall. One climbed up to have a look and he observed a creature which she described as having a man's body but with the head of a bear. The witness tried to speak to the strange creature but it told him, don't speak to me, before wandering off. Our next report tells of a giant seen by many of the local people close to the railway embankment as he leapt into the air and splashed down into the river below. An apparition that was eight feet high leaps into the river, screamed the headline. A spectral figure, grey in colour and eight feet in height, is said to haunt the railway embankment next to the river Corrib every night. The apparition was described as tapering at the top. He walks across the viaduct onto the embankment and then vanishes from sight. Said to appear at midnight, one man who witnessed the figure said it jumped from the viaduct into the river Corrib. It did not drown, however, as it was seen on the following night by a group of students at the university. One of the young men had earlier stated he'd go over and approach the apparition if it arrived. He changed his mind on the appearance of it. A group of six men, armed with weapons and shotguns and revolvers and sticks, set forth to lay the ghost. They lay in ambush for many moments, and when the spectre loomed up before them, one man raised a revolver, but before he could fire, he fainted into a swoon and lay limp in a heap on the floor. The ambush was abandoned and the man was taken to Galloway for medical attention. These reports were said to have created great excitement in the district and search parties are out each night in the hopes of shedding some light on the mystery. Now, this story brings to mind similar accounts found throughout Irish folklore as the Fetch. The Fetch is said to be a person who appears to loved ones around the time of their death. A Fetch, based in folklore, is a supernatural double or an apparition of a living person, so not a ghost, a doppelganger per se. Now, the sighting of a Fetch is regarded as an omen, usually for impending death. According to folklore, the fetch appears to a third person, just as someone else dies or is about to. The witness believes it to be the person they know, except the person should be probably many miles away at the time. Some stories say the fetch disappears down a hallway or an alley if a mortal tries to follow it. It's not a ghost, it's just a copy of the original person. No one knows why it takes that form. And it's rarely malevolent in late nature. The fetch may even bear the signs of how the person will die. The people of air also tell of the Kusith, or the fairy hound. And when we say fairy, we're not talking about Walt Disney's little Tinkerbell type fairies. Fairies can kill you with a look. Modern Irish construction crews have changed plans for new roads and even an airport because their digging would have disturbed fairy sites. Traditionally, Irish fairies live in the hollow of the hill or an ancient burial mound. Groups of the gentry, as they are sometimes called, would promenade across the countryside at night on spectral horses, taking away any hapless soul, silly enough or brave enough to cross their path and see them. Sometimes they advanced with the sound of the wind or strange music or the baying of hounds. Now, the fairy dogs that accompanied these eerie processions were likewise uncanny, said to be four feet high with paws as big as a man's hand, and they were sometimes covered in a shaggy green fur. They guarded standing stones and ruined hill forts and cemeteries, anywhere haunted by the little people, and they watched the night with burning red eyes. Historically, Certain families were believed to be especially haunted by the Susie, like the O'Keeffe's in West Cork, who believed the sound of the dogs baying 
meant someone in their family would soon die. The old keys took to trailing bread crusts away from their house whenever a family member was ill, to draw away the spectral beast and death. Four little men caused a crash. Uh, this witness contacted me through Facebook and she said, my auntie almost caused a crash when she was 14 in about 1969. The family were living in the Bushmills area of Northern Ireland and she blamed the crash on four little men that were in the road. Una Don was her name then and her mother Margaret Don was driving on a country road in the early morning and Una screamed, look out, as her mum veered and almost flipped the car. And she was told off quite sternly. She was sobbing at being scolded and she'd almost wrecked the car. But she was adamant at what she saw in the road and she said, didn't you see them? Auntie Una said four little men were crossing the road in single file with robes or blankets around them. She described them as being about three foot tall and they might sound like a tall tale, but in all her years, she told it, she always told it the same way. In her twenties, she became really religious as some John Wimber evangelist came through the UK in the 80s and she married a member of that outreach and stayed really religious her whole life. She was extremely humble and grounded she had no mental health issues. She was a strict moral character and would never lie. So when she said she saw these people, I believed her. She said she couldn't explain it. It was just what happened that day. And my granny, her mum, didn't see a thing. Both of them have passed on only a few years ago. But this story can't go into obscurity, Deb. So with my permission, it's okay to share this. As many as you know, Air has a rich history of little folk. Many people to this day make reports of them. Horses' manes are platted, milk stolen from pails, farmers talk of missing blankets and tools that turn up weeks or months later, clean and sharper than before. It's said if you leave bread, milk and honey, the little folk will help look after your land and your animals and will leave you alone. Planting holly is also said to ward off negative energy of the wee folk. I suggest adding iron or precious metals into the corners of your house. Whilst researching the reports at Bushmills, I came across some coincidental information. Now, I don't believe in coincidences, me, but I noticed that the lady's name was Una, and that rang a bell for me as I knew I'd seen that name before. I had to go back through my notes, and Una was a name I'd written down when I was automatic writing one afternoon. And it, I found it in the old legends, and it means Queen of the Fairies. And it said she was beautiful beyond compare. She had long golden hair, which reached the ground. And she was also the wife of Finn Macul. Do you remember in the beginning when I said that the Irish word for wolf was Mac? I find it really strange that her husband was called Finn. Fionn Macul. Maybe it's just me. Maybe her bloodline's still alive and well and living amongst us. I wonder if Fionn was named Mac as he was from that area in Wolfline. Before we end our time together tonight, I cannot tell tales of the old country without mentioning the Banshee. Now, I recently discovered I have more Irish and Welsh blood in my veins than English, which was quite a shock to me. Having visited the Emerald Isle with my parents and knowing some of the history, I'm rather proud of my heritage now. I've always had an interest in folklore and tales of old. And I wonder if any of my ancestors experienced anything like the ones we've shared tonight. I have a feeling there may be, be the odd relative that encountered a banshee. Knowing my luck, it was probably me in another life. But in all seriousness, a banshee is not something to be joked about or even spoken about, really. Just the mere conversation or mention of them can bring them visiting. A banshee came for my cousin. And this report came from a witness who said, my mum's side of the family is Irish, so growing up, I always had a slight accent which thickened after spending time with my grandparents. My grandfather's probably the most important person in my life. I love him very much, and was particularly his shadow when I was younger. Wherever he was, I was, two steps behind him. My favourite thing to do together was sitting in front of the fire with my cups of tea and biscuits, and he'd tell me stories, some about his childhood some works of fiction, some life lessons, and some would be spooky 
and so spooky that I'd had to sleep on the floor next to Hidden Nana's bed at times. But my favourite stories were the stories based on folklore. And my absolute favourite, the Banshee. For those of you who don't know the legend of the Banshee, she said, my grandfather explained it to me like this. The Banshee was a full body apparition of a woman. So beautiful, it was almost unnatural. She had pale skin and long bright hair and she'd been cursed with the ability to foresee the death of people. And her responsibility with this curse is said to be the messenger of death. He would say that if I was ever to hear her crying or I ever heard a scream, I'd know that the life of a loved one would soon be over. Something that my granddad always made a point to say was that the Banshee wasn't an evil or a malicious spirit. She was simply sick of seeing death and hated being the one to tell people that death was at hand. I always enjoyed hearing stories about her. I never thought she was real. I was always under the impression that the Banshee was just another work of fiction by my granddad. But she's real, and I can tell you that, and I can tell you why. My first encounter with her was when I was 12. Now, I've always been supernaturally sensitive. I used to see my great-grandparents almost every night. My great-nana would tuck me in and my great-grandad would hum and whistle till I fell asleep. It was nothing to me. Anyways, I was at my grandparents' farm walking around early in the morning with a dog. He's called Bowie. And it was winter, so you can imagine it was freezing. It was probably about four to five degrees Celsius. So I was bundled up like a little burrito strolling around the property. Bowie and I were checking on the sheep. I had made a decent amount of distance between the house and myself, so I decided to sit on a rock next to a small stream in front of the bushland. And not long after doing so, I began to hear a strange noise. I didn't know if it was the wind or a fox or possibly a guinea fowl. Bowie heard it too. A very low growl was coming from his mouth. I felt a cloud of dread settle in my stomach. I didn't think I was alone anymore. I knew something was wrong. I took off my ear covers and I pushed my hat above and behind my ears and the noise was coming from the trees behind me. And the only way I can describe what I heard that day is sadness. It sounded like despair. I stood and moved closer to the trees and Bowie was showing his protest and he was growling much louder. I watched the figure of a person emerge from the early morning fog. And they were walking, well, floating, never so slowly. The noise is much clearer and they're crying. And they're crying like they just received the most awful, terrible news imaginable. I walked closer and my curiosity got the better of me. The floating figure comes closer as well. And it's a woman. The most stunningly beautiful woman I've ever seen. And she's in a long silver evening gown seen its fair share of bad days. Her hair was windswept and orange like a burning fire and her eyes however looked as though they belonged to another person. They were tired and puffy and red as if they'd been shedding tears every day for the past decades. Their eyes met mine and they stopped crying for a few seconds. I stared in a trance and the world around me seemed to have stopped. After the longest minute I have ever lived through her mouth opened in a sickeningly inhuman way and an eardrum piercing blood curdling scream emanated from it. Bowie began to bark and snarl at the woman and then he ran off back to the house. I didn't move. I didn't cover my ears. I just stared at her. I wasn't thinking. I didn't even know what I was doing. She finally stopped the dreadful scream, not breaking eye contact. She mumbled something under her breath. And this is when I got my senses and backed away quickly. I turned around and booked it back to the house. And when I reached the gate, I turned back and she was gone. But I still felt her presence. I shook off my uneasy feeling and I ran to find my grandfather. And he was carrying wood from the shed to the house. I fell to my knees and cried and I couldn't get out anything but a single sentence. I said, I saw the banshee. 
A week later, my cousin died in her sleep. Her heart just stopped. A man named Gaul McMorna shared his family's experience with the Banshee and he said, My grandmother and my aunt both heard the Banshee several times in their lifetime and my grandma wasn't shy about talking about it. The first time my auntie Claire heard one, she was only a young girl, probably eight years of age. She was lying in bed on a Saturday morning when she was awakened by this tap, tap rhythm coming from across the bedroom. She listened for a while until eventually she had the courage to peep across the covers, only to see this little old woman with long grey hair sitting on a dresser, swinging her legs and tapping her heels off the door of the dresser. She told me she was terrified and she just buried her head under the covers till the tapping stopped. And when she looked again, the little old woman was gone. She jumped out of bed and ran down to the kitchen and told her mother, my grandmother, what had happened. She explained to my aunt that when she'd seen little old lady, she'd seen a banshee and that there was nothing to be scared of. My grandmother on my dad's side told me several stories of her hearing the banshee wail and it was usually first thing in the morning and that the news would soon come of a close neighbour dying during the night. She never seemed to let it trouble her. To her, it was just a sign of death. As I bid you good night, and as you get ready for bed, it might be worth leaving a gift of milk or honey on the back step of your house, so your dreams are undisturbed and no visitors are bound. Until next time, good night everyone. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.